0: Over the course of the year, somehow. I don't know what else. And look, there you are. Yep. Well, I was here once before, a year ago tonight. Isn't that weird shit? You were here doing all this. Yeah, freaky. So I don't know. I guess this is my night now. (laughs) Next year, let's make it dress up. What do you say? play everything i played last time but backwards or something well no i don't know <laughs> oh thanks for coming did i say thanks for coming thanks for coming <laughs> i drive too fast pull me over to tell me so i say out here on the prairie any speed it's too slow i miss brooklyn i miss my crew let's start over i miss my cue i guess i forgot who i was talking to
1: Greetings live music fans, this is Chris, this is Colleen, and we want to welcome you to another episode of Live Fix Radio, the official podcast for concert fans. We're excited to have you with us Uh, on today's show, as you heard in the uh, intro music there, that was Annie DeFranco performing at uh, Carnegie Hall before a uh, large crowd of uh, screaming female fans. And we picked that intro music uh, for a particular reason today.
2: Possibly some males. There could be some males in the audience. You,
1: you are correct. I have been to two Annie DeFranco concerts uh, in my lifetime. And uh, that is, is one of the reasons why we're doing this show today. And we're exploring uh, women and how women experience uh, a concert, you know, a live music, you know, a show. How do, what what do they feel, think about, and you know some of the brain chemistry, and emotions? You know, and does not matter?
2: Does not matter what goes on in a female's brain at a live show?
1: Yeah, I mean that goes without saying, right? Of course it matters, right? I mean if you're a guy and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you're you're, you're going to get some some good inside tips, you know, on uh, how the female brain the secrets works.
2: Will revealed, <laughs> right? <of> the <laughs> secrets will be revealed, right? All the woman's secrets will be revealed. Yes. By the end of this podcast, you will officially know how a female's brain works and what's different about a brain than yours.
1: Yes, yes. And let's, let's bring everybody up to speed. You know, if uh, it's the first time you're tuning in, uh, we, we welcome you to your very first episode. And my background, again, is uh, I'm naturally curious. I, uh, I'm a writer, a blogger, uh, experimenter, uh, interviewer of uh, artists, uh, music, um, music makers and concert fans and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and Colleen, what, what, what do you do? What's, what's your, uh, your expertise and background?
2: Well, I actually um, come more from the professional side, I guess, of all of this. Um, I'm a licensed uh, therapist in the state of Illinois, so I currently have clients that I work with, Um, all types of disorders, and substance abuse, and mental illness, Um, and so I kind of see the perspective from that, um, based on my life experience, and just background, Um, you know, education, and so I see things kind of from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, you've been doing it for for, uh, several years.
2: Several years, yes. uh,
1: You've seen uh, lots of different situations, uh, male and female, and all that kind of stuff, so... We're, uh, we're going to uh, really you know use that that knowledge you know and uh as a great asset here to to understand you know how do how do women you know experience the live music uh you know experience what what goes on so uh and we're we're also going to take you uh into one uh recent adventure that we had we went to obdi fest in uh, chicago uh, late, uh last uh that, well, last weekend yeah uh, yeah, Fourth of July weekend. I uh, had a great time there, and we actually discovered a uh, Egyptian band that is fronted by uh, two female artists, and uh, they're they're from they're from Egypt. Uh, they were in uh, the revolution, the the riots, and um, they have uh, a fantastic story uh, to share. We actually caught up with them uh, after the performance at Abadi Fest, and they're actually a uh, their their musical influences are. Uh, really interesting as well. Uh, Very
2: traditional um, influences. Yeah, and, yeah,
1: and yeah. Uh, it's uh, they they definitely have a blend of uh, metal, uh, you know, speed metal, kind of hardcore, and then also you know, kind of a classical uh, background. So there's violins, there's bass, uh, there's uh, drums, uh, guitars, uh, metal metal based, you know, influenced uh, type of uh, guitars and everything and uh it's really great um you know great uh to to talk with uh the band uh, band name is uh massive scar era and wow. they uh they really that says a
2: lot that name in itself really kind of gives a, a foreshadowing of what the interview will be like
1: yeah and actually uh, i was doing some research on the band during the performance you know i was looking at uh, looking at my uh, my mobile phone and trying to find out about them because I was really captivated by her style. She goes from kind of a, rah, 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 like, you know, kind of that metal-sounding scream to a really beautiful, you know, soft, melodic, angelic. you know, angelic, yes, uh, <laughs> uh, angelic voice, uh, note to note, and it's really striking, and it caught my attention. And uh, after the performance, we interviewed them uh, downstairs, outside, um right you know right after the festival there and we're going to share that interview with you uh towards the uh you know later in the podcast here Uh, great great stuff so um and again you know what we've said before we're going to get into uh women and music and you know the live concert experience and kind of what that what that is Uh, but before we get to that as we always say on Live Fix, uh, it's a busy, busy time when it comes to live music news. You know, there's just, there's never a shortage. And especially when we're in the heat here, and no pun intended, we're in the heat of the summer music festival, you know, season. And that's that's something that, there's tons of festivals going on everywhere you look. There's, you know, U2 is wrapping up their stuff. Bonnaroo's going on. There's small festivals going on. There's cover bands playing at Summer festivals. It, it, there's stuff going it on. Seems like all every place.
2: year the festivals just double, right? So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I remember um, years back it was like just Pitchfork and Lollapalooza, and now it's like you know times you know two. Now there are four or five big festivals in the city. Um, you've got Wicker Park Festival in Chicago. Um, you had a festival in Andersonville that just happened. Um, Lollapalooza again. Pitchfork. Um, and there's a couple NorthFest, is it NorthFest? North. Oh, North? Uh, North Coast. North Coast Fest. Yes. Yeah. So we have North Union th- Park. Yep. Yep. Um, and then we have this big uh, Dave Matthews Caravan Festival coming, and uh, he's going to have all kinds of Ray Lama tain and yeah. And I don't know. He, I'm sure it's there's towns all over that will see this festival.
1: No shortage. Um,
2: so it's just amazing how it sort of doubles, it clones. Yeah.
1: But you know what's interesting, though, Colleen, is that uh, thinking about all these summer music festivals and the club experience—you know, when these festivals come around, you know, you, you see all these bands at you know the outdoor. There's thousands, thousands of people there. And a couple of days ago, you know, I started to do a poll on Twitter and pose the question: wh- Where would you rather see your favorite band at a summer music festival with thousands of other people outdoors? You know, hot, all that kind of setting, or would you rather see them in a small? smaller venue, more intimate indoors at a, at a club, at an in, indoor venue. And as people started to respond to me on Twitter, you know, people are leaning more towards the club experience, which is kind of interesting because these music festivals keep popping up more and more and more. And that's really one of the ways that the artists, you know, besides touring those small clubs, you know, they're, they're making money and, uh, you know, generating the revenue that keeps the band going. Not by selling records necessarily, but by playing these festivals. I wonder
2: if you were—I mean, were you able to gauge the age of the participants in your survey?
1: Yeah, they're they're right around the, you know in that age, uh, eighteen to thirty-four. Okay. You know, kind of okay. maybe a little bit higher, thirty-five or you know. 36 I'm just wondering or if so. you're not
2: looking at maybe under eighteen, just wanting that experience, and they can't get into clubs, but they can get into these festivals. Right. So I wonder if there isn't more, you know, your under eighteen crowd that. Wants to go out, experience all these bands, experience the time. I mean, we all know. Unfortunately, I see it all the time. What kind of goes on at these festivals? Um, when someone buys a beer, do we know it's going to get in the hands of right, right. an adult, or could it end up, you know, being uh, unfortunately someone under twenty-one? Hopefully, that's not happening. But sometimes I think those experiences are different. Where maybe an under eighteen, you know, under eighteen cannot right. have alcohol, cannot get away with a little more mischief, but at these festivals they can kind of do so. I and mean, we see it all the time. We're yeah. not naive to, to some of the drug use and alcohol use at some of these festivals.
1: Yeah, what's amazing too is I talked to some other, uh, you, know, you know, younger live music fans, you know, uh, high school age, you know, kind of testing the barometer and kind of asking them where they've experienced their, you know, uh, first concerts or kind of where they're experiencing live music. And it was, you know, Lollapalooza. Bonnaroo, you know the big, you know the big festivals, and sometimes I get to talking to the fans and realize that oh, of course they're underage, they're under 21, they can't get into these into the big clubs. So a lot of the, you know, they'll, um, you know, work hard to save up the money because this is about two hundred dollars, at least two hundred dollars, a lot of these these festivals cost for the three day pass, you know, or minimum ninety dollars for something like, uh, you know, Lollapalooza, ninety day pass, stuff like that. So. I think it's uh, it's interesting to see how these music festivals are, are um, you know, uh, providing opportunities for younger fans to to experience versus going to the club but people are preferring the you know older generation are preferring that that intimate club experience versus the big festival fighting the crowds or we don't know what it is but we're gonna continue to do that and uh, keep your eyes out on on Twitter at um, you know the live fix uh, Twitter feed there and uh, we're also gonna be posting a, a uh, a poll on Facebook uh, in the next in the next week to continue this this very experiment to see what people uh, really really do. So, any case, uh, we got some music news uh, for everybody here. We're gonna we're gonna go through this pretty pretty quickly because there's a there's a lot on the on the plate here. But the first one, um, we never like reporting these these stories about concert fans getting hurt, but nonetheless we got to talk about it. And uh, last this past week. Uh, in new york there was uh, there was a riot um, that uh, you know that occurred and some music, upstate you know,
2: new york or uh
1: it was uh, new york no, city no new uh, new york city it was uh, an album release uh party that was uh was going on and what had happened was uh, it was at uh, new york's tammy Hall and it happened on june twenty ninth and uh, the reports here this is kind of interesting because I actually received a press release that came in from the artist, and then I also saw the news report come across the news wires and kind of kind of played those two together and it involved uh Smith and Wesson and Pete Rock were having a record release party at at that venue at uh, tammy hall and apparently you know when I read the news release that came from the artist it said that the you know the party was fine there were a couple um concert fans who you know, were not allowed in the venue because it got into capacity. And apparently, you know, they were, uh, they were escorted out. And then the way that the press release read was that the cops came in and, you know, went in there uh, guns a-blazing with, with mace and started macing fans and throwing them out. And, and it kind of just, you know, ensued from there. And then I started to read a, a, the actual news story that was not the press release that was reporting on this and, you know, talked about how a concert goer refused to uh, to leave. Uh, one of the concert goers who refused to leave punched an officer in the face breaking the officer's tooth and the concert goer while being handcuffed screamed for help which incited a riot. So that's what, that was kind of the, according to this report on on Polestar.com, uh, that's how that, you know, that happened and then it just blew up from there. So, uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on on that story, but um,
2: as we know it, it can always take one person, you know, yeah. for good or for bad.
1: Yeah, those crowds, those—it's like yelling, uh, you know, bomb on a plane, you know, or fire in a in a darkened theater. It's you you can you can get some you know, get people riled up, and it can get crazy sometimes with that. But it's interesting to see how one situation can be portrayed uh, two different ways in in this situation. So. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep, our, keep an eye on that one. Uh, and and then... we'd
2: love if you were there. We'd love to hear your take on it. Yes. Um, and, you know, obviously the promoters are somewhat biased because they're not going to want to tell us the whole story. So we'd love right. to hear from a fan and what they saw and what they witnessed. Um, maybe even the fan who kind of started the uh, getting people anxious and riled up. I mean, it would be wonderful to hear from that, from that fan
1: yeah yeah it's uh kind of interesting a lot of other fans were um, were injured and you know police officers were injured as well so uh, yeah if you were there let us let us know what your experience you know was like so uh moving on to the next story uh next weekend in chicago uh pitchfork music music festival will be kicking off and we'll be there covering uh covering all the action but pitchfork uh, has expanded they've um uh, Recently announced that they will be having a festival in Paris uh, next year, so it's kind of uh, kind of interesting that uh, that that will you know that will be happening. Uh, pretty uh, pretty interesting. And so actually, now it's just
2: going to be bands then from uh, Paris, or will it just will it be bands that they normally house on their website.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, you know, I actually misspoke. Let me let me go back a little bit. It's actually debuting this fall, oh, uh okay. October twenty eighth to twenty ninth. And you know, they will be having uh artists uh will be taking place at um uh Le Grand Hall de Villite. I don't know if I'm uh saying that correctly. Uh I'm not French, I'm American, obviously. And uh Jez Lenkman, Wild Beast, Cut Copy, Kathleen Edwards and uh, 20 other bands, you know, and it says a multitude of DJs, according to uh, the uh, Tribune uh, report here, they will um, you know, be uh, putting on a show there. So Pitchfork is expanding again, another, another music festival, just like La earlier uh, in the year, they hosted their first concert in Chile, you know, for, uh, for Chilean fans, so. These, these, this concert festival concept is uh, is definitely you know they're not, Pittsburgh's been around for uh, like about about seven years now, and this is the first time that they're expanding. And now Laopalooza used to be a traveling festival when it first started out, and now it's you know it's been a destination festival for the last year you know or last uh, uh, several years in Chicago, and now they've expanded to Chile. So we're starting to see this. You know, and Bonnaroo hasn't expanded, but Again, Coachella expanded uh, recently. Announced that they're going to be happening. Uh, they're going to be having their festival back to back, two weekends back to back at Coachella. So there's, you know, people are going, all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to see these see these trends, you know, develop. So uh, the next the next news, man, we have a lot of a lot of stuff going on here. And this uh, this next one again is, um, you know, it's a a sad story. Another concert fan has died. Uh, in a festival in denmark and what they're what they're saying here is that um, you know she was uh, climbing a, a tower apparently and um, a, a thirty a, about ninety eight foot tower in the festival's camping area and 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 she fell and and died uh, right there at uh, on the festival uh, it's the um uh, rock rock slide denmark uh, rock slide music festival in denmark so uh, she died and there were some other uh, concert fans that were also injured you know in that fall so uh, we haven't really seen anything else you know reported but what's interesting too is that in the same place you know there was um you know th- this isn't the first time this has happened in 2000 uh, uh, yeah, in 2000 nine people died and 43 were injured uh, it says here, after an out-of-control crowd pushed, toward, pushed forward during a Pearl Jam gig. So, you know, this, this place is not, uh, you know, is not new to these types of tragedies. So. And
2: sometimes fans hate security, but in these kind of cases, you want security there. You want someone um, controlling the crowd. And that's a big part of of live shows is having that that bouncer not only for the people who are acting out, but for the people who are not and for their safety.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of spots like I, I'm thinking of places like when we were at Pitchfork. There there's a there's a uh, used to be called the Connector Stage. Uh, there's a tree that hangs over that stage, and I was you know I've always seen fans you know wanting to climb up that tree, and and there's always security guards or You know, kind of caution tape roping off that tree. You know, people, fans want it. They want the. You know, they're they they want to get. You know, we want to get to that. You know, that unique spot. You know, our vantage point. You know, we're kind of do anything in that moment to do that. And And, and, I would say
2: I also see photographers trying to do that as well because they want to get that shot that no one has that is from a different angle. And I've seen photographers hang and do all kinds of things to get to get that shot.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's. It's, uh you know, something we're going to continue to follow, you know, here on Life Fix reporting, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, when it comes to the concert fan experience. I think it all matters, and, you know, as these things develop, we'll continue to share those news stories with you and talk about them and, you know, see how they, uh, you know, how they impact uh, everybody's experience. Uh, so the next the next one is kind of, uh, again, in, in the, you know, the sad sad state, but um, this Electric Daisy Festival, uh, it's a rave festival that had some tragedy uh, associated with it, because the Electric Daisy Festival was held in, uh, in Los Angeles, and during that festival, it ha- actually happened uh, last year at the Coliseum. Uh, there was, you know, a 15-year-old girl who had died after you know attending that that, that first day of the festival, and it was related to uh, the use of ecstasy. And there was reports of during that festival. Um, you know, ecstasy is obviously you know it's closely associated with uh, the rave experience and uh, uh, and, and also
2: known as MDMA.
1: Yes, MDMA and you know, you know, uh, Colin and I, you know, we, you and I have talked about you know what does the you know what are some of the effects of that drug you know on the mind and the body during the experience because a lot of times you see these toxicology reports come back. And it's, you know, they, uh, for lack of a better word, the concert fan overheated. You know, they're, they're taking too many of the pills, you know, or they're mixing it with, with other with other drugs at the show. And that's what these reports, you know, come back up. So, you know, I know you've said some interesting things about, you know, about those situations. And, um, you know, this is another situation where at the Electric Daisy Festival, you know, there was uh, another 19-year-old um concert fan, uh, Andrew Graff of uh, Argyle, Texas. He died uh, at uh, the Baylor University Medical Center a couple days, you know, after being transported. And, uh, you know, again, the um, cause of death has not been officially reported, but they're linking it to, again, to the use, you know, of uh, ecstasy and, you know, they're saying, you know, over, overheating, exhaustion, you know, things like that. So yet again, we have the Electric Daisy Festival being linked to the death of concert fans and, there's a lot of controversy with this. There's an ongoing investigation that's kind of linking all these festivals together. The rave, uh, the rave party, and we've covered that before in Life Fix. So it's uh, it's a hard story to report on, but it's it's definitely it's a growing trend. And you if know, you
2: go that. to NIDA um, .com, where there's a lot of information on drugs and alcohol, if you just want to know basic information, they have like fact sheets that you can get. Um, it's N-I-D-A.com, NIDA .com. Um, NIDA. And uh, they basically talk about how MDMA is abused. MDMA is taken orally, usually as a capsule or tablet. It was initially popular among Caucasian adolescents and young adults in the nightclub scene or weekend long dance parties known as raves. So this is sort of a rave experience for them. So that comes along with that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's used... It Basically, unfortunately, is that if taken too much, you can... Um, sort of internally heat up, okay? Um, and there's a lot of talk and when you take it or use it, the sense of touch, your sensory is very much different. It's heightened. So colors, um, touch, taste, all that stuff can get heightened with it. So that if you're at a club and you want to hear music well, you want to see the lights, you know, a lot of the raves that you go to have the flashing lights and things like that, Um you know, the, and that's what, the, It's going to intensify It's going to intensify It's going to crank
1: your pleasure factor, like, mm-hmm. way up, you know, right. on, on all levels. Sight, sound, taste, touch, you know, feel, you're, you're, you know... Because the, the, the history of, of that drug was actually used to, uh, in counseling situations, right?
2: Well, it used to, yeah. The history of it is that it was used um, for marriage and family therapy. So, um, a couple would come into an office and they would um, be struggling with sort of intimacy, and the doctor would say, try this. Here's a prescription. Try this. It works. And it would help with some of the sensory issues, mm. right? Um, but it unfortunately became abused like many other things.
1: Mm. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll continue to report on that. You know, and you know, if you've been to any of these festivals, you know, Electric Daisy, or you know, we've talked to some fans uh, who've been to Tiesto concerts, and uh, speaking of Tiesto, our, our last uh, news item here uh, comes from uh, Electric Forest Festival. And some of you may you know, have heard of where this festival is held at because it's actually a, um, a kind of an evolution of Rothbury Festival. And uh, a couple days before Rothbury, or, uh, Electric Forest Festival is happening this past weekend, uh, there were uh, 12 pounds of, uh, of hash candy bars that were intercepted. Uh, by the uh, Rothbury police, and it, it's uh, kind of interesting to read to read this story because you know they um, you know candy bars you know into the festival obviously distribute them, and uh, you know we've been to, to Rothbury before we've been there uh, twice you know before it was canceled uh, last year and then kind of resurrected uh, in a different form as the Electric Forest Festival. And you know we've been in that in that area. That that forest is a it's a pretty pretty spectacular place. You know to uh, to see a show. And I could imagine you know being on some you know hallucinogenic uh, you know psychoactive type of drugs. That that uh, that place would be pretty pretty interesting. You and know, again, from when you're that, dealing you know? with
2: you know 18 and younger audience, they really don't have access to the alcohol. You know if they want it to to let loose or you know, again, I'm not kinda of looking at, at drugs or alcohol in a negative way or a positive way. I'm just looking at it objectively and it, you know, to the best of my ability, I'm looking at it objectively. And if you're a kid who is eighteen and younger, you're gonna to wanna to go and experience just like adults wanna go, let loose, experience the music. Um, and, and and unfortunately they I think adolescents find that they can they can buy cannabis, you know, or marijuana you know, they're easier than they could alcohol. And so that stuff gets smuggled in, and in order to smuggle it in, they may find, you know, feel like they need to cook it or, you know, make things um, candy or brownies that would make it more appealing for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's uh interesting. I we were uh I did talk to somebody who was going to the Electric Force Forest Festival, uh, a local Chicago DJ was going there as a as a fan, so if we we can we can talk to him about uh his experience and kinda of what that was like uh for him. We didn't have a chance to go out there this year, but you know, we um we assume everybody had a had a good time, uh, hash hash candy bars or uh or not. Uh it, it's it's a fun place to see a show, you know, with uh with that. So uh, we'll, we'll uh, look to catch that up. Um, and then our last, our, our last piece here, music news, is, uh, it's kind of interesting. It came across the wires uh, earlier today. Um, you know, we, we should have a, I guess we have a, you know, an obligatory uh, U2. U2 always makes the music news, live music news. They, they seem to always have a, a way to do that. And apparently, uh, at a show, uh, you saw this, this news piece first, Colin, what, what, uh, What can you tell us about, you know, kind of how this story unfolded?
2: Well, apparently um, at one of their shows, the recent live shows, they, um, Bono, actually in particular, uh, looked out in the audience when he was singing and saw a man holding a sign that said, blind guitar player. And um, Bono said, you know, come up, come up on the (laughs) stage and you can play your guitar. And apparently this wasn't pre-scripted. Um, so he went up on stage and um, played. He asked uh, Bono, "Said, what song do you wanna you wanna play tonight?" And uh, you know, I'm not a versed YouTube fan, so I don't know that I can remember what the song it was. But mm-hmm. um, but he he told him what song his favorite song was, and he therefore he played it right there on the stage. Bono was singing while he played the guitar, and um, apparently this this guy had kind of gradually lost his sight. It's kind of interesting. I saw an interview with him um, on the morning news huh. this morning, wow. um, and I think I believe it was NBC. And he talked about how he lost his sight and how he learned to play the guitar prior to losing it. But he so he was just was able to do it even though he couldn't see.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow! So I, I would love to kind of interview him and reach out to him because he he has has a very interesting experience and. I would uh, would love to find out how music has um, influenced him, inspired him, helped him manage hmm. uh, not having sight. And we've talked about that, or you've talked about that a little bit in on live fix. Just yeah, yeah, what are the some, senses uh, and what's important? That, yeah. You know, what would be the sense that you'd want at a live show? And and for him, he doesn't have as much of a choice than people who have their vision and their their hearing. So
1: yeah, we've done some experiments with that. So when, when I heard about that. Uh, I, I did an experiment one time with Radiohead I have not I did had not seen them before previously, and I decided to blindfold myself uh, for the first half of the show. Colleen kind of walked me out into the crowd with my blindfold on and kind of left me there and then you know uh, halfway through the show, you know I was kind was I was taking my notes, you know mental notes of kind of what I was feeling, smelling. And then, boom! I took took it off and looked right at the stage and kind of looked around me, and it was pretty pretty spectacular. It was kind of uh, one of those moments where, you know, everything that you see and your imagine, my imagination was actually playing a concert in my mind. You know, during that, so I always wonder, is that the same thing that a blind person would, you know, would kind of create that, that mental concert? in their mind, you know, based off of what they're hearing. And we'll have you know?
2: the live footage on Live Fix, so you guys can check it out. Um, his name's Adam Beville, and he actually um, played the song All I Want Is You. Ah. Um, and this actually was in uh, Nashville on Saturday night, last right. Saturday night. So awesome. very recent, and um, again, we'll put the video up on Live Fix so that you can actually see it.
1: Yeah, Fantastic. All right, that does it for uh, for music news, and we're going to uh, play the rest of uh, the Anna Franco song. And when we come back, we're going to get into uh, live music and how live music, you know, in- impacts influences uh, women and their emotions. So we'll uh, see on the uh, flip side of uh, Edna Franco here
0: seen it in my mirror so many times. He's gonna put his two cents in, cause he's got a gun, but I'm gonna put in three, cause history owes me one. Guess I came out here to some stuff for myself. I'm mean, being, why leave the telling up to everybody else? Yeah, this may be God's country, but this is our country too. Yeah, move over, Mr. the
3: holiness of the little people. Go.
0: Thanks for serving and protecting the likes of me, yeah thanks for the ticket now can i leave you know i have left everywhere that i have ever been i don't really recommend it though not like anybody asked me and maybe you and i will meet again someday i've been known to come down this road yeah maybe it's destiny then again Maybe not I don't know Go ahead and sit down uh, while I play you some <laughs> dirges. I don't mind at all.
1: Uh, uh. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to Live Fix Podcast. We have a special show here for you guys today. We've obviously already been telling you a lot about it. We're talking about women and we're talking about live music and how those two are extremely emotional combinations. Right, Colleen?
2: Right, right. I mean, there's a lot out there that you know talks about women and, and how their brain works. Um, there's not a lot out there that talks about women in music, mm. um, but oftentimes I think we can kind of look at how women's brains work and the differences between men and women's brains um, and kind of correlate that with a concert experience, because we know a lot about concert experiences.
1: Right. So should should only guy or, uh, girls be listening to this podcast, or you think guys can learn something too?
2: You know, I think guys can learn a lot about female brains through this um, podcast, uh-huh. and I think that um, oftentimes men and women go to concerts to meet someone from the same sex, maybe yeah. opposite sex, yeah. meet concert, for buddies, right? concert buddies, companionship, or... concert buddies, relationships, love interests. Right. um it's definitely a social arena, and it's in oftentimes you know people meet at concerts yeah and I would love if you met someone at a concert. I would love to hear hear about that, and that would be a great interview i think
1: yeah we just we we think. just talked about it earlier, uh, two people actually got married at at Bonnaroo. i mean and I've seen some some YouTube videos of people staring during a train concert uh one of their songs uh damn i'm totally missing the... soul
2: sister maybe uh yeah. no
1: soul sister or damn there's one song my mom's gonna kill me because she, lo- <laughs> she loves she loves train, train and there's a uh, marry me that's it marry train me. marry me i actually okay. saw a youtube video where there was uh two uh a couple proposed to another couple or proposed to each other or i don't know they Can't propose to each other, but they did it on stage during, and they used the song "Marry Me." Train actually had them on stage uh, to do that. So, emotional things happening at, at concerts, and that's what we're going to talk about today, right?
2: Well, and it's very interesting because I'm going to let you in a little, kind of more of a personal yeah. experience, um, my personal vibe music experience. And I actually, um, one of our first kind of meets was at a live concert. Me and you, yeah. You yeah. and I, I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, we uh, met at a, a cafe slash uh, kind of concert venue called Heart and Soul, and that yeah. was kind of out by. Where Damn, we lived that's at that back time. in the that's
1: back in the day, man! Wow. So, but I have I to take, that I have
2: to take you back there because I that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because a, a lot of what I've read, and I'm going to take some um, some information from a woman. Uh, there's a book called The Female Brain. And the author is Luann uh, Bresiden, Bresiden, um, Pre- I'm going to say um, I, that may be a little off, right. but um, she get this book if you can because it, you know I learned a lot reading it. Um, I learned a lot about um, how the female brain works and what that means. And I I took from that book some stuff that I really think happens at live music. Concerts. Um, I think it happens there because I feel like I see it there. And from my experiences with talking with women fans, um, I because we're around women fans, we're around festivals a lot. There's a lot of, for photographers especially, there's a lot of kind of waiting in between bands and things like that. And so I get a chance mm-hmm. to talk to a lot of women. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing I think, I believe that happens, and this happens in general with women, is they oftentimes... Can walk in a room and sense the emotions that are going on in the room with the other individuals there. Mm. Um, they can sense what's going on, what the experience has been. Um, you know, they they just they have this ability to sort of mirror what's going on around them. And when you read that book, that there's a a couple scenarios that they talk about, and and there's a chapter in there where they talk about um, a relationship and um, how a woman. Um, uh, that 's a married couple, and how a woman can just sense everything that 's kind of going on with uh, the, her husband and how she somehow mirrors it or asks questions to try to figure out what 's going on with him because she can sense something's wrong. So I feel like at a live music um, venue, I believe that when women are there, they can kind of sense what's going on around them. I think they can sense what 's going on with the musician. I think they can sense on what maybe is going on with the band.
1: Do you think they're always aware of, of this, or it just happens kind of simultaneously or subconsciously a lot of this stuff happens?
2: I think the women's brain is wired that way. So I, I believe, and based off this book and some research that's out there, you know, it appears that women are just more alert to what is going on around them. Now, men are alert to that, but they tend to focus on one thing mm-hmm. in the audience. They tend to focus on, you know, and I don't know a lot about the man's brain. I haven't studied as much as I have now the woman's brain, um, but... From working with the general population and kind of what I do as a therapist, um, I, I do see this, where where men can focus on one thing, they focus very well on it, they know everything about that one thing, but um, they don't necessarily sense what is going on in that room around them, with emotions in that room, mm-hmm. um, you know, with... Uh, maybe some things that are kind of unconsciously happening, the energy that's happening in that room, and, and, th- and this clarified it for me. Just based on the research that this author had done, and, and sort of what her experiences as well, being um, working with a general population. Yeah,
1: and this is this is kind of a, you know a general, and there obviously there are expectations because just listening to you talk about that, you know, one of the ways that I write about music, you know, when I write a concert review. Is that I'm I'm not a musician, you know. I, I love music, so I enter into the live music experience, and then the way I write about it is by tapping into, you know, the the emotional uh, uh, vibe uh, going on around around me. So as a male, it's interesting for you to 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 explain that from a female perspective, and I, I sense
2: maybe a little it's you know, salt, you feel a little. And I just sure. I
1: would like to challenge that, you okay. know, to see that because there are exceptions to. To, you know to to those types of things and I'm just I'm just throwing it out there I'm sure there may be exceptions but you know a lot
2: of I'm sure there may be exceptions but I'm you know a lot of what this book goes off of is sort of what how the brain is wired hmm. and I don't know that you can really change what's the how name of, the brain what, what's is wired What's the name of the book again the female brain
1: the female brain hmm.
2: so um, you know it would be a good thing to kind of learn and listen to and read. Um, the other part of it, not only is the mirroring, so with the mirroring too, you know, other concert fans, what they're doing is going to, you know, women are going to kind of get involved in that interest. So if you have a quarrel, a lover's quarrel at a festival, a drunken person, a person that maybe is too loud, obnoxious, or maybe someone who, you know, you send someone from across the room staring at you, I mean, you're, you're, women tend to be more alert to what is really going on as a whole, mm-hmm. whereas men... It it sounds like from, you know, this book and from reading, um, you know, researchers, they sort of stare, you know, at the band or they stare at one object. Maybe they're checking on a girl at the show, whatever. They're kind of focused on Mm. that girl. They're focused on the band, you know, what they came there for. Um, But women tend to to engulf and absorb um, everything that's there.
1: And they don't necessarily act on those? They're just absorbing it? They kind of pick and choose what they want to act on? They may
2: act. They may act. You know, if they walk into a a show where there's a lot of rage or there's a lot of kind of quirky dancing going on, they may mirror that. They may be the first to mirror that. Um, If they feel like that's, um, you know, maybe morally they they feel like they... um, they feel like they want to follow that behavior or they feel like that's something that they're interested in. Um, You know, I I'm thinking of some of the concerts I've been to uh, where there's a lot of dancing involved, Mm -hmm. you know, where you kind of, if that's the feel, there's a lot of dancing going on. I think the women will be the first to kind of want to go out there and dance.
3: Hmm.
2: So you kind of see that. Um, The other part they talk about a lot is that women tend to, um, re- because they feel everything and see everything, they tend to remember more of that event mm. or of that show. i am they say event in this book, but I'm gonna translate to, that to a show. Mm-hmm. They're gonna remember more. They're gonna remember maybe what color the guitar was, or maybe they're gonna remember that the girlfriend of the musician was in the front row dancing and blowing kisses. Mm-hmm. You know, or they're gonna remember mm. that guy that you know was drunk. Um, you know, at the end of the bar. Um, They may know that stuff. They're going to remember, you know, when things happened, where things happened, um, you know, what, you know, maybe if they met a friend there, they're going to remember their name, they're going to remember these things, whereas they say that men remember, but it's not as global, it's not as big, what they remember. Um, They remember specific things, and that's probably at the date, the time, what the band was that they saw. They're not going to remember all these little nuances that happen. Right.
1: What about extreme situations? Because we've um, we we've, we've explored some uh, very extreme situations of you know women in the live music experience. Uh, most recent example I can think of is there was a video of uh, Rihanna, R and B pop pop singer. You know she uh, brought a female fan up on stage. Uh, her Rihanna's recent tour and uh, did a lap dance on this female fan, and they were rotating around the stage, you know, on this rotating mechanism. And then the fans were screaming, and you know, Rihanna was, you know, giving her a, a lap dance, kind of, you know, straddling her and you know, humping her and you know that kind of stuff. And then they descended downward onto the concert, and then the video cuts out. I'm wondering, how, how, how does a female how does the female brain take in that kind of situation, and how does that compare with, you know, other other fans? Like, what, um, what, what did, what did you find out about that? What, what well, again,
2: I think that's another aspect of the show that they may remember that will heighten what they mm. remember because it's now it, it's an added event to that show. Um, I, you know, I think when you talk about these, you know, tragic events, you know, we're talking in the news about people dying at festivals and, um, and those sort of things. I mean, the, you know, the drug abuse and things like that, that's kind of adds, that's another event outside of, you know, what the live music experience is. And I believe that women are just, they, they almost have an antennas, you know, they're able to see and feel and gather what's going on around them. And, uh, you know, I think especially when you're using something that's Maybe a hallucinogenic effect. You can really heighten that, you know, even more so if you're using drugs, you know, or alcohol. So, um, and, and part of why women remember this stuff more is their hippocampus is actually larger hmm. than men.
1: The hippocampus.
2: Hypoca- yeah, what it's is, actually uh, larger than men. Um, what is the men's. hippocampus? Well, the the hippocampus actually um, is a part that remembers details, pleasant and unpleasant. And, and it involves more of a, the emotional experience um, for someone. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that kind of filters through the hippocampus.
1: And that's kind of in the back of the brain, right? Middle back. Middle yeah. back. Yeah.
2: Um, there's a lot of stuff that kind of happens in that. A lot of it's a lot of it's to do with emotions. Hmm. And um, so the women actually, actually have a have larger hippocampus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. They found that that the women do. So huh. they tend to. I have the ability to kind of remember details of memories more due to that. Mm. So, and another interesting thing I wanted to talk about, I did um, some research uh, about female rock critics. Yes. And there's a lot of talk about not having enough of them out there and, um, and why that is and, and and where that comes from. You know, there's a lot of women writers out there. I know that. So, you know, why are they not, you know, reviewing or talking about music? And it's interesting because it's, it's
1: kind of a male-dominated world, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting because Ann Powers, who um, is a very popular music critic who works for the Los Angeles Times, in an interview she said um, there are two archetype images of women enjoying music.
3: Hmm.
2: And she said one, it's a, it's a woman dancing with a girlfriend and being silly. Okay, that's that's the big image or archetype that people to see as a concert fan. Um, as a woman, and then the second one that is very popular is she's screaming at Justin Bieber or who or whatever teen idol is popular at the time.
1: Hmm. We've all seen those images, right?
2: We've seen those. I've seen those at shows, um, you know. But I realize going to enough shows that that's not all of what's out there, because there are females who really um, can be the fan and can be the critic. Um, For some reason, those women just don't want to write about it, don't want to be out there. And, you know, again, there's a lot of people who have thoughts on that. Um, There's another author um, that, her name is Jessica Hopper, and she worked for the Chicago Reader, and she's a music critic and blogger, and she talks a lot about how women are socially discouraged from having critical opinions. And she feels that maybe that is why we're not we're not seeing bloggers, you know, music bloggers that are women, because hmm. socially they're told don't be critical. You can't be critical. You have to sort of sit back and observe- shut up observer. and observe. Can't have an opinion, right? You're not going to be that critical one that's going to jump in. You sort of have to buffer everything.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So you know, still, I think still here in 2011 with all the, you know. Uh, Feminist things that have happened—it's just amazing to think that that's still there's still a long, long way to go in you know in that, especially in the you know the music industry and you know the the art of uh, you know writing about music or live music. You know, there's still that that imbalance. You know.
2: Well, and I think you know part of it is that um, women aren't always taken seriously when it comes to music choices. You know, um, maybe they're not taken seriously from. You know, men who listen to a certain type of music, they think, oh, well, uh, metal, women don't know anything about metal music. That's real, that's man music. That's, you know, and, but in reality, we, we just interviewed, you know, you guys will get a chance to hear the interview we did of an Egyptian um, band who is, has a lot of influences of metal. And it's a woman, it's a, it started out an all-female band, now it's the lead singer is, you know, female and um, the violinist. But um, you will hear you know that um, for her being a woman um, be, and being in music as an artist, and also it sounds like as a fan and a listener of music, she is a really that's a, a big part of her identity mm-hmm. you know And um, I think that um, women who enjoy music um, and enjoy certain types of music, they you know they may fall in one of those archetypes, um, but they It's just like men can find their identity and what they, um, you know, what inspires them through the music that they listen to.
1: Yeah, and we've seen a lot, you know, that's why we played that Andy DeFranco track, you know, at the beginning. You know, we uh, wanted to play a very specific artist that, you know, we both have experienced live who has a very profound, you know, influential impact on, you know, not only females, but I, I, I've enjoyed Annie DeFranco, you know, and I have a lot of respect for her during the show, because one of the interesting things about uh, my experience seeing Annie DeFranco was that uh, she has this persona on stage that is, is intimate, but it's larger than life, because we saw her perform at Rothbury uh 2009, and then... You know, we uh, were walking backstage, going to you know talk to another artist, and I looked to my right, and and there she was. There was Annie DeFranco uh, walking alongside of me, and I didn't even notice it was her. You know, because you know she just she seemed like smaller. You know, and it's just amazing that you know that type of artist who has that. They get on stage, you know, as a female, and you know can can create that kind of strong, you know, presence, you know, on on stage, and then, you know, can kind of be a different person. Um, and getting, I, and I know, think that's true with a lot amazing. of,
2: uh, you know, unfortunately, with a lot of professions, and you know, again, I don't want to get in a soapbox, but for a lot of professions, or for um, even as a photographer in the music industry, um, I have to do better than my male counterparts at times, you know, a lot of them are taller yeah. than me. A lot of them are faster than me. A lot of them can carry more than one camera, yeah. carry more equipment. Um, you know, a lot of them can, um, you know, they, they just have some, some of them just, I think, have um, more, um, I wouldn't say drive, but they just, you know, they're at that, that moment, at that scene. And, and the women photographers, I think, are, are great. But I also, I think our pictures have to show more. We have to kind of push the, the realm of photography to be seen
1: well, as women, I mean, you were saying earlier. Don't you think men are at a disadvantage? Men photographers are at a disadvantage emotionally because women they experience more, and their lens, their their mental lens, emotional lens, is actually wider and more, uh, you know, more dynamic. Then, you know, the, the the palette of emotional experiences is is more, you know, is deeper to pull from. So, don't you think women actually, women photographers have an advantage? Uh, over men because of that
2: and it may be and it may be the women um get to enjoy live shows more than men is that possible i mean these are just questions mm. that we're sort of asking but you know maybe women enjoy a live music experience more than men do and they, they just don't realize it because they don't have a lot of statistics that you know show that a research that shows that women experience live music better or have a better um you know, have a a longer lasting experience or remember it longer. I mean, you really have to look at, you have to really research that to find that out. We don't know that, but is it possible that, that women fans just have a better experience? Mm. I mean, is it possible, you know, you know, or is it that, that women have a better experience at a live show, but men have a better experience being around their friends and their, and Finding women, meeting right. women,
3: right.
2: you know, um, you know, obviously men love music. And so I'm not going to downplay that cause I'm sure they have a great experience, you know, but is it true? It could be true that women just, but just get a better overall experience about how the other fans are interacting, how the band's interacting, you know, everything from maybe the smells to, you know, you look at senses to, um, hearing and, and different sounds and different background noises that you hear or conversations Mm -hmm. that you hear from the people next to you, you know, when you're in line or or whatever have you. So I I wonder if not all that plays a role Um, and I wonder if there are more women going to music festivals because there's just more stimuli. There's more going on than at maybe you know, a club. Mm -hmm. Or is there? You know, is there more going on? And it's, it's hard to answer these questions because I think to some extent, there's only a few people talking about live music and, and, and audience psychology and what that looks like and what live music, you know, psychology looks like. Yeah. Um, and so there isn't research out there. There isn't research looking at how this impacts society.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a reason why we, uh, you know, we're we starting this conversation with, with you guys. You know, as you're listening to this, you know, male or female, you know, we'd love to... To hear from you, you know, what you think about it, you know, and this even expand, you know, expands into some of the other experiments we've been doing about, you know, we, we've been talking primarily about the live music, you know, experience, and then we also have experiments on live fix that we, you know, we look at, um, you know, the, how is the virtual experience, you uh, uh, changing the live music experience, for example, if, uh, you know, uh, do women enjoy more you know, do who enjoys a, an online concert more, a man or or a woman? You know, because of these differences in the brains, you know, in, in how the brain structure is and the chemistry is. You know, are, are virtual concerts more pleasurable for men, or are they more pleasurable for, for women? You know, because of the, the interactions and all those types of things. So,
2: and why um, are there bands that women will? Go, you know, you go to some of these shows, and you know this, uh, Chris. Will you go to a show and it's like all women? You know, or it's all men, you know, uh, does that, is it something to do with what happens? You know, is it the sensory and, you know, the other aspect is if you're a female musician, do you attract, you know, does your experience as a musician affect, you know, what the female fan feels? So yeah. do women experience, do women impact other women, uh, other women fans, you know, musicians impact the women fans? Um, the same way a male musician would impact a female fan. Yeah, you know, and that's other questions to think about um, when you know this research and you know re- the research continues to come about the female brain um, and the male brain, and I think we'll we'll soon be able to answer some of these questions.
1: Yeah, it's amazing too. I mean, there's a lot of experiences. You know, I've had uh, some concert fans tell me about um, male concert fans tell me about how they cry. You know, at a concert unexpectedly, kind of creeps up on them. You know, and we're you know, we were at a, a James Blunt concert uh, several, you know, a few years ago, and you know, one concert fan, and a woman, you know, we were. I was, I was definitely in the minority, you know, as, as a male at that concert, and it was interesting to kind of survey the crowd. Yeah, and she—it
2: was actually a person I had met. Um, just being at the show. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, I meet people because I have the camera. And people say, "Hey, you're a photographer." And I said, "Yeah, yeah." I'm a photographer. This is what I do." And and they, but that gets them, that draws them, and they start asking me. It's interesting that, um, you know, I do get men who ask me, but I do get a lot of women that ask, you know, because I think they know. Maybe they see that. Maybe they see that there's a photographer, you know, in the room or whatever near them. And uh, she, after this song that um, James Blunt had played, uh, she looked over at me and said you know that that's my life that song was my life for 2 years or whatever and, and she told and you that huh? she told me that yeah she told me this is my this was my life for 2 years and she just cried
1: so i never get anything so, like that so um, just so everybody, everybody who's everybody's listening to this you know the way that she's telling those stories i just think it's interesting because she you know she'll be in the pit and i'll be kind of you know at a different spot around we'll come together later after the show and Colleen always tells me these stories that people confide in her you know, uh, mostly women, obviously, because you know they see that. But you know, you know, you've had times where you know men will, you know, kind of tell you different things that uh, they won't, you know, necessarily tell tell me. And you always come back with these stories about people that will just kind of, you know, unf- uh, you know, dump, you know, and, and unfold I their stories. That, their, and after reading this
2: research, I believe it's what we what we look for. You know, what we see at a show. Um, I do believe that I think I believe that I'm more, maybe more open, or I look more, or women look more, um, for those little things, and those little things make or break a concert experience for women. And I think that's the key thing that I, I got out of this research is that women are going to have a different experience, and the things that happen around them can make or break their experience. And I, just like a concert fan, have had good experiences at concerts and i've come home and i've said that's been the worst show i've ever been to.
3: Yes. And i don't think it's have.
2: always cuz the musician. I can't give them full credit for why it wasn't a good show. Yeah. It was because of what was happening around me at the time.
1: Right. Yeah. Which and is the interesting music. because yeah, most of the time when I'm writing a concert review, I always try to sift that out, you know, is it what i'm feeling it is it is prohibiting me from actually enjoying the concert and writing a good review? And i've probably written some reviews along the way that uh probably weren't as bad as I thought they were, but because of my emotional state at that point, get given time, that I was like, Oh, you know, and I was in the the show didn't influence me, but it was my own emotions that influenced me to write what I did. And that was that was the review. So, you know, I guess I'm sorry for any uh, artists out there that uh, I might have written a review, but I always try to really be aware of that and kind of be in tune with that. It, you know, is it something that I'm feeling? You know, I've had, you know, uh, you know, my, my dad recently passed away, and I was writing. I've written reviews during that time. You know, we've had uh, good experiences, bad experiences, and mixed into all those those life experiences have been concert reviews. You know, and concert moments where we've written about live music, and it all influences you know that that experience that you have those life those life moments good bad or ugly you know so just interesting things to think about you know about emotions and you know especially you know how you know, specifically women uh, experience the, you know the live live concerts you know with with that so um that, uh, that, that does it for uh, for that piece of the experiment we're doing here. And then the next part of our exploration, uh, we're going to share with you now an uh, interview that we did uh, at Abdi Fest. Um, and uh, the interview is with Massive Scar Air. They're an Egyptian band. They're a quartet uh, fronted by uh, two female artists from, from Egypt. And uh, this is a, f- a great interview. You know, we did not plan it uh, ahead of time. It just kind of happened, unfolded there at, at the festival and uh, the reason we're excited to share this with you is because they—they were actually in the um, the revolution there in, in Cairo uh, that's happened over, you know, happened back in January, and is still going on. You know, it may not be making news uh, headlines, but uh, there's some still unrest. There's turmoil going on there, and uh, both uh, both artists, uh, Nancy and uh, Naveen, I think, is her was her name. Uh, hope I'm getting that that correct. If not, uh, I do say it in the, in the interview when we uh, will play it here for you. But uh, great story. Uh, lots of things that uh, I'm still thinking about uh, after the interview. So we'll uh, we'll hand you off here to uh, to the interview, and then we'll come back with uh, some more uh, information for you guys about this about this topic, uh, women in live music, and some more uh, some more music for you guys. So uh, here's uh, here's the interview with the Massive Scar Era. Massive Scar Era uh, a trio no a quartet right yep quartets from Egypt so uh, thanks for thanks for joining us here and uh, really uh, enjoyed your guys' sets Uh, again it was uh, definitely a pleasant uh, pleasant surprise to have uh, have you guys here and I was wondering if you can start out by telling us kind of how you how did you guys start as a band I I read you know some of the stuff uh, briefly how you guys uh, you know kind of came together first by performing you guys had a you know, a genuine love for making music but also for performing it live so yes. can you kind of tell us about you know, how you guys began as a band in Egypt?
4: Uh, I was actually into metal and into guitars so I started, uh, I, w- I wanted to, to jam with people so I could, uh, I could actually hear my, my songs. I'm sorry. Can
1: you say your your uh, your name? Shireen. Uh, Shireen. Okay, Shireen. You're uh, vocals and guitar. Yes. Yes. Very interesting uh, vocal. Thank we'll you. Get to that. We'll get to that in a minute.
4: Uh, so uh, I wanted to see, I wanted to hear the complete song, so I had to to jam with with a a bass and with a drums, and She's then. The one who started the band.
3: Okay. Yep.
4: And then. Uh, and then I had a friend, and, that, and that's Nancy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> and then I uh, I had a friend who plays the drums. So uh, just because my mother didn't let me play with uh, the guys that I know, because uh, she was like she's overprotective, so I asked her to to play the drums. She wasn't a good drummer, but she was like playing a, like a beat because I wanted to 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 to, to hear my music. And then I had another friend that plays uh, the guitar. I asked her if she could play the bass with me just for fun in the studio so I could jam, just for jamming. And then I used to jam uh, in a studio of another band and this band was uh, more popular and they were elder as well. So um they they saw us jamming and they thought that we were actually energetic and we were young. We were 18 back then. I was 18, the drummer was 16 and the other the bassist was 17. Yeah. So um this this person, this keyboardist of this other band, he was in touch with uh the person in charge of the bands and the uh, Bibliotheca Alexandra, which is the library of Alexandria, who was actually uh started to getting bands to perform for the first time because of its integration so uh, he told the maestro that there's the band and they're all like girls and they're not really good but they, they have something to present mm. and this is how we set up for our first gig al- al- although my mom wasn't really happy about it at all and she was like Okay, that's the only time you're going to perform and since it's a very respectful face it's the only time you're going to perform and she came with me and she made sure that I leave the stage at ten thirty. <laughs> and whenever anyone came to me I was like, Your voice is nice, when is your next gig? She replies, No no, no, that's she it's just it. no she's not game. she's not going to perform <laughs> again I was like mom stop why are you me in front of people I have so was fans she a f- now so
1: she was uh, like your official manager unofficial manager no
4: r- not at all she was just protector I think <laughs> yeah. she, she, she was more or less like a police woman yeah. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a manager at all yeah. she was just trying to st- 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 stay back stay back she's not going to play again and actually when I came back home she's like you sing like shit and you play like shit
1: <laughs> oh, she said that about your performance. Yeah,
4: because she wanted me to not to perform again. She she wanted me to, oh, from wow. inside to, to, discre- to do this to do something with the self confidence so I wouldn't have the guts to come up, come wow. on stage again. Ah, wow. so how
1: did that make you feel when she said that? I mean, obviously you've you know, yeah, I, I you felt down. How would you deal with that? Huh? But she's
5: strong enough. Huh? She she's strong enough. I think
4: I I I I cried, but. I just kept going, <laughs> I kept, because I, I, I told her, I you controlled that I have to be with girls, you control that I have to perform in certain venues, then okay, you've done your part, let me play, just leave me alone, let me play, that was my thing. I had to compromise.
1: So how did you learn about, you know, what kinds of things have you... Uh, watched you know growing up in Egypt you know as far as live performance you know is it more Mm -hmm. uh, you're you've learned things from your culture from Western culture or anything you know kind of a mix or you know what you know who's inspired you you know in your live performance
5: we actually met in a jazz concert me and her
1: jazz concert okay so what was that like How, how did that happen
4: it was uh, you can talk about it. It was a total coincidence. I was looking for a violinist because I love violins because I lo- I love opera music, and at the same time I love metal. So I met I met up with her because she has she had a violin. So I was like, uh, Hey, do you play the violin? She said yes. I was like, Are you interested to play in a metal band? She's like, What? I was like, Metal. She's like, What? I was like, like, I was like Okay. That was six years ago. <laughs> I was like, Okay. Do you know rock music? She's like, what? I was like, okay, let me simplify this. Do you know Avril Lavigne? She's like, who? I was like, she doesn't know Avril Lavigne. I was I like, was okay. so much
5: into jazz and yeah. baroque music and classical mm-hmm. and Irish and yeah. stuff like that. So it was very so I was different like, for me. So I was it like kind of
1: took you a while to kind of... Did you yeah. show her or introduce her to other music to kind of yeah, help her... Actually, Introduce
4: uh, each other to each other's music. Yes. The first jam was horrible, <laughs> because we had uh, like a, a per- the performance in the library, and I wanted her to play with me, because I wanted a violin. And um, and then she, w- I was playing the distortion of the guitar, and she, she was, she looked very sad, and this, on, like, <laughs> she, she doesn't and want when to play. She
5: went uh, on brutal voice. Yeah, I told her I, Are you going to sing this Like this in the concert Are oh, you, you serious? serious? <laughs> she she <laughs> thought I'm kidding? I'm kidding I'm just going crazy You know <laughs> <laughs> This is our music Was well, the first time for me To listen to that kind of
4: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> And I remember I had to put my guitar On the clean First then. First the Very beginning Yeah uh-huh. that Because she She couldn't understand The distortion I had to put it in the clean mm-hmm. And then she puts the line And then after putting the line okay. Convert okay. this to under <laughs> the distortion it was a and I was, process. and I told the band member, it's okay. She's just going to perform with us this time, and yeah. that she's not going to. She's just a guest, <laughs> and she thought the same thing. By the end of the jam sessions, because we used to jam every day, yeah. She got, she got, somehow into the music. into the music, hmm. and uh, at the same time, she introduced me to her music.
1: Great. Now, have you guys gone to any, uh, you know, rock concerts, you know, together and kind of, you know, as a you know, as band members, watching you know other yeah, other, uh, yeah, metal yeah. Bands sometimes, or sometimes what, because what kind of shows have you guys been to? What you know, what uh, what inspires you? For, you know, as far as going to other shows, Actually, who, who are some of your favorite you know shows, live performances that you've seen?
4: We don't have international bands, so um, it's
5: only the underground, the, the underground Egyptian, Egyptian bands. bands. Mm-hmm. But what were some of the names w- of those
4: bands? They weren't really inspiring. I think. Uh,
5: it's different styles of music I think
4: we've learned a lot from Masar Ekbari to be
5: honest yeah there's
4: this rock rock band called Masar Ekbari which is an Egyptian band. uh i i want to translate the name obligatory uh, road something like that they were elder than us and they were so much uh, lear- they they learned the, they they were well educated in the music and we they got had
5: their own and we used to jam at their place when we uh, like were six years and
4: ago. He actually the keyboardist, actually he's the one who hooked us up with the library and he's the one who taught me the scales. And at the same time we went to there's this big huge musician called Fatih Salema. He's like the only Grammy Award uh, winner Egyptian in, in the Arab world. In the Arab world, yeah. Mm-hmm. He uh he got he kind of adopted us. He he made like workshops every six months and he took us with him all the time, and he to learn about to learn music, music and Oriental music, and how to mix Oriental with jazz, and how to mix. It. And he actually liked our music so much, and he tried to help us so much. So I think we're not inspired, but we're educated by those people. We owe them a lot. But if we're talking about the metal scene and the and the rock scene, in Egypt, I don't think we we're that that much inspired by uh, them. Inspired by the West, but because they're inspired by the and West, we and we're inspired by Egyptian musicians, mm-hmm. more yeah. or less. Yeah. We we're inspired by it, by Western musicians as well, but we do understand the value of our music. Uh-huh. So and we know it's very unique and it's lovely. And you know how the West we I- there are like three three scale scales and how many nice. scales do, do, do we have? Do the West have?
5: The, I mean the main,
4: the main, the main, are the major, major, minor, major yeah. skills, but, but the, the Oriental is, oh my God, and some of them they don't sound like because the Oriental music it has been used a lot in the commercial music in Egypt. Some of them you just I hate sometimes listening to uh, to Egyptian commercial, music. It's very commercial. commercial, but there are other skills that are not used at all and they're so.
5: Yeah, but in order to get this, you have to dig you into like those the. Better, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I don't like
4: ori- typical Oriental from t- from Turkish or um, like, typical used in in in, in the songs Egyptian songs, but I like those this amazing um, scales that no one uses anymore.
5: It's usually in the traditional music, like not the pop yeah, traditional Egyptian, music. yeah, folklore, the traditional folklore, yeah.
1: Now uh, we were kind of talking about this before. I should probably tell everybody we're actually on we're outside, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of action here going on. A lot of cars uh, buzzing by and all that stuff, so <coughs> kind of stuff. Uh, so kind of kind of exciting here. Hope we don't get run over. I, I don't I don't think we'll get run over. But uh, any case, um, we were well, before we sat down here. Uh, we, you guys were talking about you know the situation in Egypt and some of your experiences. You know, with the, uh, the political situation, things like that. Can you can you kind of tell us how how that has impacted you know some of the live music experiences that you guys have had, or just how those those experiences you know what's going on in Egypt right now you know over the last several months you know how has that impacted your performance you know emotionally and you know have. Have those experiences, you know, inspired your performance? You know, while you're playing, do you think about those moments or, you know, things like that? Can you tell us a little bit about, you know?
5: Yeah, actually, right before coming here, me and Shireen we watched a video about what's going on in downtown Cairo, which is where I live, mm. and um, the people are still fighting to get the rights. Before they were fighting the the ex-government which is not really the ex-government because they were somehow cooperating with the the army and um, the whole thing of the revolution it's about resisting and fighting and and insisting so (laughs) we kind of have this somehow in in the band we we go through sometimes a lot of difficulties and yeah we're Egyptian after all <laughs> we're <laughs> Egyptian <laughs> what's and that we're from, from Egypt after all so yeah we so have this in blood <laughs> yeah
4: like it, insistence the we resistance insistence.
5: Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, for example okay. today we came to this town and we didn't know how it will look like and where we were gonna stay and whether we're on the right way or not and we kept on going it's it's kind of yeah but uh i th- i think
4: do you mean that if that if we have any any songs that talks about that it, yeah let, there's some it, of
1: the songs and some of the lyrics i you know i could I, was, oh okay the first la, time that la, i've la, heard some of your songs but uh i i assume it, it'd be nearly no, impossible la, let, let not me, to have let me let some me, of those influence your you know your let music me,
4: let me tell you something um i i am i i study law Uh, for three years and I was very politically involved in so many situations and I was uh, very in touch with what's going on in Palestine and the war and everything but when it comes to revolution I couldn't touch a chord I couldn't write anything because it's in Egypt uh, unfortunately they they used the revolution as a as a commodity Mm. the musicians they so over. They yeah. made
5: a lot of song, songs oh about God. the revolution. Songs that they don't even, and even make And, and
4: Some <laughs> of them, they just they made originally the song apologizing for the president. And when the revolution actually worked, they just changed some words. So you yeah, can you can hear the before with, and after.
5: But that's that happened with the really commercial cheap. No, even singers. the underground
4: bands. All of them like they.
5: No, but the underground
4: Come on, we, we've never heard of, of, of the, the singer of the revolution. We've never heard of him before. And yeah. suddenly he's the singer of the revolution. Uh, and actually his voice is not good. And when you talk about him as a musician, you'd find people... Oh my God, don't talk about him like that. He's a, he's a hero. And they go like, what? why is he a hero?
5: It's something more...
4: I mean, we all the Egyptians, they were in the square. All of them. All of them got tear gas in their eyes. All of them were chased.
5: Everyone, everybody's a hero. Actually, I got to smell that from my apartment <laughs> because I live in downtown.
1: Oh, you are guys in your apartment, you said?
5: We smelled
1: it. From oh, you me. smelled it. Huh? Yeah, I, wow. actually,
4: I actually was in front of one of those things that, phew, look up, look up, look up, and we kept running. So everybody was in the street. Everybody's a hero. But singing about it doesn't make you a hero, you know? So I got turned off. Seriously, I didn't so you, want.
1: You didn't want to write any songs. I didn't want to write. It, they, I felt it, it, it's. Felt I felt, felt it's like a cow.
4: It's like a cow. Stop milking it. It's like a cow. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> <laughs> and people are getting famous because of the revolution. I wonder if this singer of the the the, the revolution singer.
5: What did he do before the? Revolution? Yeah, and after the
4: revolution. Like, I mean, two years, two years ahead.
5: What? He is, he is
4: he going he to still sing about the revolution?
1: So would you write a song about how you don't want to write a song about the revolution? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sense, this. I sense I'll some of this. that in some of your music uh, do this. in in some of the you know the the anger or some of the aggression i actually wrote about, i wrote like
4: i wrote a song about it actually but it's not it's uh, it's not about the revolution it's no. about the people living in downtown, it's downtown yes. and it's about this as well there is a part yeah, where yeah. i say uh, that
5: well.
4: so yeah um, hmm. they just it's amazing how we i, I how just sometimes Things people, people just go commercial. They even yeah. made blankets out of the Egyptian flag. Yeah, and
5: uh, we we even flag. have the tissues. The yeah, the, oh, The, the everything plastic is bag written the on twenty fifth
4: of January to to the moment that with I with the Egyptian flag. Yeah, I I I I came to the, to to the point that I seriously don't want to hear anything about the twenty f- fifth and everybody is a hero. Thank I know everybody is a hero, but
1: hmm. so here, this is the. Uh, this is the first time you guys have been to United States. You, know, you played uh, shows here before. What, what are some of the differences with your uh, you know, with the audiences, you know, when yeah. you're playing to uh, an Egyptian audience versus an uh, American audience, you know, and how how has that been, you know, for you? How do you guys deal with that as a as a band?
5: Actually, the the Egyptian audience are a bit different. Mm. The Americans are into the music. And into the lyrics, and into the lyrics, In Egypt, they're into the show, and, and into the yeah, the show, the show, the show, the <laughs> show, and the looks, yeah, and the looks, yes. Mm. We we love the the American crowd, the American audience. They maybe really appreciate maybe it's because maybe yeah, it's it? because
4: it's, uh, it's well, related to the well, language, maybe. Right? Is there something on
1: there? Yeah, there's some kind of uh, weird thing going on here behind us. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what that all is all about. I don't know. We Are you gonna be fine? So yeah, I think we're. Are
2: you
1: think...
4: joking? Or... I don't know. Uh, the jo- we have the joking I about.
1: think there's some probably uh, uh, alcohol involved <laughs> uh, <laughs> or drugs. I don't know.
5: Maybe we have a song about that. I think we do. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's a song right there. You just thought of a song, right? Yeah, we have yeah. a song called My Humanity. It's that. on MySpace. <laughs>
4: So yeah. the Egyptian
1: crowd uh, audiences are half
4: of the crowd artists. are bands, and half of the bands they for some reason don't care about the lyrics. Seriously, don't care about the lyrics. It's fine. Even. That bothers you?
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: because it's com- it, it completes each other. Yeah. I don't have a perfect English, but when I write, I concentrate. And if I don't know, I, I always get back to a friend of mine who's because I was taught in a French my English is not as as good as a person who's graduated I from. I was in French school, so I always get back to a person that knows. and I make sure they, that that the lyrics are are Sound well, right. and sometimes they they put the lyrics in not and uh, the lyrics are unbalanced in the sentence. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. It's e- either sometimes it, it doesn't doesn't rhyme or sometimes no because when you write you have to go with the bars. Sometimes, like, oh, that, that, I, can't, I can't sing the song of the Egyptian band because, <laughs> that was, but yeah, we have an example of a, of a band that doesn't so go with So
1: that's just something that's one of the kind of the nuances of, you know, uh, an, an Egyptian audience versus American audience. They tend to gravitate towards, towards, uh, towards different things. So.
5: Actually, the American audience, they come to you after the show and they say, good job. But,
4: but, but. <laughs> yeah the, the Egyptian uh-huh. audience would go after the show they'd give me your number and give I'd go number. like oh. wait, wait i give you my number he goes like you're such a snob and then the whole room will start out that the band is, are all snobs because they didn't want to give away their or give their numbers to, <laughs> weird people and they add you on Facebook and if you don't add them then you're then, you sa- then they <laughs> send uh, you Facebook, messages yeah. saying why didn't accept my friend request why is, is it because I'm a boy no, dude, because I don't know you. Stop being snobby. I have I ha- my whole life is on <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Why would anyone? W- w- weird. Weirdos uh, sometimes.
1: Well, it's been great talking with uh, with both of you. Thank uh, you. Hopefully, Thank we can you. do this again. You know, and we can uh, kind of follow up with you and, and see uh, the last thing that you guys have. Uh, you mentioned that you're playing uh, Whiskey a Go Go. Yeah. Uh, yes. In Los Angeles. Yes. Uh, in a week, next week. Seventh. Seven. Uh, on, on the seventh. Seven. Yes. Yeah. So that's. Uh, have you played there before? No. No. That. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty special venue. So we definitely have to follow up with you guys and okay. see how that went. Cause there uh, I know some of our our favorite bands, uh, you know, The Doors. Yeah, I know and Doors It's a, and it's a pretty. Uh, you probably and, have been told that before, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's awesome. We, we definitely we'd love to follow up with you guys and yeah, and see how I that uh, how that goes. So.
4: Yeah, and we want you to be updated with our MySpace. We we're going to put all the news on the Facebook. My, it's all Massive Scar, massive scar Era. MySpace.com slash Era or Facebook slash Massive Era. And uh, we hope you come back next year.
1: Great. Thank you very much.
4: You're welcome. Thank, thank you. Thank you.
1: that just about does it everybody i want to thank you for listening to live fix blog uh, podcast Uh, it's been a blast talking about uh, women and emotions and uh, getting into uh, how all that stuff impacts the live music experience again you can go to livefixblog.com for all the show notes downloads uh, news items all the things we've been talking about in this podcast and again uh, if you're digging what you're uh, listening to here we encourage you to uh, drop a, uh, a rating and a comment in iTunes and also write directly on the blog. Let us know what you think of the podcast and if you have any ideas uh, for shows or if you've been to any of these shows that we've been talking about or you just want to share a fantastic or a not-so-fantastic live music experience, go ahead and go to livefixblog.com, click on the About page, and there will be all the info there. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.